Welcome to Theatre Club Podcast. We bring you theatre news, theatre reviews, and theatre theme booze. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Theatre Club Podcast, your monthly theatre podcast. I'm Oscar. I'm Alice. And we're here to talk more theatre. In this episode, we're going to have two reviews. One for the hot new production of Streetcar Named Desire at the Almeida Theatre. I'd call it a hot production of 2023. Yeah, everyone's been talking about it. It's fully sold out. I managed to go and see it. Alice, you didn't. You swanned off to Thailand instead. I know. Girls gotta do what a girl's gotta do. Exactly, but it was great, so I will tell you all about that. And then tonight, we're going to go and see a new show at Sadler's Wells called How Did We Get Here by Jules Cunningham. Is this also a premiere? Starring, yes, I think it's a new show. Or was it done at Edinburgh? Mm. But it's a new dance show to London starring Spice Girl, Mel C. Melanie C. In the company. So we're going to have a live review of that, which we'll pop into this episode, because that's running until Jan 29th. But we'll start with Streetcar. But before that, actually, so Streetcar, part of the reason why this is such a hot new production, other than the director, Rebecca Frecknell, who did Cabaret, is Paul Meskell, who obviously people... Saw in Normal People. Did you watch that? Normal People was the Sally, Sally Rooney, Rooney book, book that they made into a TV series. Set in Ireland. Yeah. Yes, I did watch it and I really liked it. And he's in that new film After Sun and he's also just been cast in the Gladiator sequel. Ridley Scott's doing a sequel to Gladiator. He's been cast in that. What? Yeah, so he's like on everyone's lips and he is also on a kind of bringing it back to theatre. Merrily We Roll Along, the musical by mm-hmm. Stephen Sondheim. L- Richard Linklater, who did that film Boyhood, remember that he filmed for like 12 years. About the boy. And so you, you saw see the boy growing life. up in real life, basically. He's going to do Merrily We Roll Along and he's going to film it over 25 years because obviously you remember in that yeah. musical we see the the main characters going across their whole friendship together although it happens backwards we go all the way back to when they met through their 25 year friendship going to film something over 25 years over 25 years so the cast had already been announced it had already started filming it was ben platt from dear evan hansen beanie feldstein from the movie book smart and recently funny girl well and then awkward. Yeah. <laughs> Not really a funny girl anymore, but anyway. Yeah, that all got that. That all got a bit messy, didn't it? But even messier was Blake Jenner, who used to be on Glee. He was going to be starring in it. He has now been released from oh. the film because of um, domestic abuse. He admitted to being abusive to his ex wife, who was also in Glee. The Glee curse strikes again. Oh, because there's that girl, poor girl that died. And the actor that played Finn died of a drug overdose. One of the other actors we was drowned. a paedophile who then killed himself. It's yeah, it's it's quite a dark show. Yeah. Lea Michelle being a bully. Do you think it's because it was kids getting famous too too Well no, they were all like adults. I don't know why, it's just been a really unlucky show. So Blake Jenner is no longer gonna be part of it, and instead Paul Maskell has now been cast and apparently has already shot some scenes. I don't know how much they shot with Blake Jenner. They must have had to have gone back and shot others. So he started shooting. How crazy that to... And to, we'll be doing that for 25 years. How First of all, who's funding that production for 25 years? Who's giving them the money and they're like, yeah, we'll see this profit in 25 years. Second of all, the technology in 25 years is going to be so different. Like They're filming in like different. 5K now, or, I guess. Yeah, but I mean, the, luckily the film goes backwards though. Um, so when we start watching it, it will be the most recently shot things, and then the film right, will go back. So it will kind of work, maybe quite well. However, the other problem is it's just like can these three not do anything scandalous bad in the next twenty five years? But anyway, so it's going to be a film and a musical. A like, film musical, yeah, film, musical, yeah. Yeah. Film, like film, West Side Story, exactly yeah. a full film musical. So that's kind of cool. And Paul Mescal will 
is now going to be in that. Well, let's should we get let's go straight into Streetcar Named Desire, the mm-hmm. Tennessee Williams masterpiece, many might say. Mm-hmm. I studied it at school from 1947, off the top of my head. The film was famous because um, of Marlon Brando. Marlon yes, Marlon Brando playing Stanley, screaming Stella, Stella, in that white like wife beater vest. And we saw a production. No, I just did. You see the Gillian Anderson no, production, the I Young Bits. That That's the first time I saw it on stage. So it's come back to London. I, we were really excited because Rebecca Frecknell is directing this production, and not only has she just done the big successful cabaret, which we still haven't seen, she did Summer and Smoke, which was a much lesser known Tennessee Williams that she like really brought to life, and everyone was like, "Wow, this is a revelation!" Oh, and it transferred to the West End. Yes, yeah, so she's an associate director now at the Almeida. So for her to be going back there with another Tennessee Williams and starring two of her cast from Summer and Smoke. Mm-hmm. The lead in this was supposed to be um, somebody else, whose name I forget now, who had to drop out last minute. So Patsy Ferron, star of Summer and Smoke, has stepped in to play Blanche at the last minute. Like a week's rehearsal, I think she had. Um, so she plays Blanche and Stella is being played by Anja Vassan, who was also in Summer and Smoke. So okay. I was really excited. And then, of course, Paul Meskell, he is an up-and-coming star, so that's very exciting. Mm-hmm. This was a fully sold out, like this sold out on the first day. We were so lucky to get tickets. I mean, I've heard, of, I've heard. I'm so upset you couldn't oh, come. Oh, like I think it was the Guardian podcast. They did like a what to look forward to in 2023: music, stage, you know. Uh, and this was one of the this was yeah. one of the things that they were talking about. So let me just do the quick synopsis then from their website for this uh, for the street kind of desire. When Blanche unexpectedly visits her estranged sister Stella, she brings with her a past that will threaten their future. As Stella's husband Stanley stalks closer to the truth, Blanche's fragile world begins to fracture. Reality and illusion collide, and a violent conflict changes their lives forever. Which is quite a good condensing of the piece. Um, And it's also that little description describes this production quite well in terms of the reality and illusion colliding. Mm -hmm. So... Well, I'll start with the set, which was really plain. It was just a a wooden square in the middle of the stage, basically, and it was sort of in the round, this production. And therefore, I feel like the whole thing was focused on an imagined space, which is perhaps Blanche's slightly delusional thinking. Mm -hmm. She's living maybe in a dream world. So I think that's what this production, that's one of the things it wants to look at, is that reality versus her imagined world and so they the actors come in and out of this square in the middle and that's used to really good effect there's not very many props Hmm. and the costume is they've kind of done their own thing Blanche doesn't enter in a white dress which is in the original text that she enters in white so they've gone away from that they've gone for an almost timeless setting I'd say like the men wear um sort of colorful kind of bowling shirts because Stanley is a bowler in this but that very much makes it quite timeless you could imagine men wearing short sleeve patterned shirts from any era and the sisters wear dresses which again could kind of be from any era so I quite like that it wasn't firmly 1947 but it wasn't modern day it was again in this perhaps imagined world and it's a really um, it starts with drums, I'll say that, and every single time, beginning of the show and after the interval, it starts with a massive drum beat, and it made me jump both times and then throughout the piece. So that was an interesting thing, just one drummer up on the balcony playing throughout. So at the beginning, it was kind of the rumbling of the streetcar that Blanche arrives on, but then throughout, it was like this building 
pulsing drum beat. It was really, really effective. And she had music in Summer and Smoke. Do you remember there was a couple of interesting little bit? They had the piano on stage. Yeah. She uses music to really good effect because obviously Blanche is like, her nerves are constantly being, you know, she keeps going, oh, my nerves, you know, and she's, she's very anxious. That drumming beat kind of really really worked super well wow let's talk should we just talk about the let me talk about the performances maybe yeah so because that's kind of the real reason that people do this show these are such well-known characters stanley blanche stella like and they usually go a bit older of late with actresses playing Mm. like gillian anderson was a bit older but apparently in the original text i think he had pitched them at 25 for stella and 30 for blanche Mm. But usually, and in the film, I think it was, um, they'd had an older actress. Was it Bette Vivian Davis? Lee? Oh. Maybe you're right. I can't remember who was Cat on a Hot Tin Roof and who was. But it's usually, I, I always thought it was a more mature actress, but they, they've gone Patsy Ferrin's in her 30s, so they've gone a bit younger. And Patsy Ferrin was incredible. I mean, I would have loved to have seen what the original, who they originally cast, but yeah. Patsy Farron was amazing, just like she was in Summer and Smoke. And I think this production really focuses on her, on Blanche's fragility. Yeah. And it's really sympathetic towards her, like really sympathetic. I think often she, because she's quite snobby, she turns up mm. and is not impressed with where her sister's living and they've come from a, from a big house in the country and she can be quite snobby and she is, but in this there's just something... It's not looked upon as sort of tragic as well. It is tragic, but in a more sympathetic way, okay. which I think is really nice. I think Patsy Ferron really nails that, and her performance is so just like in Summer and Smoke, where she also played quite a fragile character, which Tennessee Williams tends to write. It's fragile, but with lots of depth. It's not just a quaky. Well, Tennessee girl. Williams had that awful thing happen with his sister, didn't yes, he? Yes, so his sister had mental health issues, and this play is very much exploring that relationship so he must have written it and been very sympathetic to Blanche so I think that's um, Rebecca Frecknell has really picked up on that and Patsy Ferrin does it so well such light and shade she's also really funny um, both intentionally and unintentionally and I don't think Blanche is always you don't have to deliver her lines as knowing whereas in this some of the sassier sort of caustic wit of Tennessee Williams she delivers that as Blanche like Blanche is knowingly delivering these lines to Mm. wind up Stanley Mm -hmm. or to be a bit funny so she did that really well and then at other times she was just really unintentionally funny um when she's going through her papers she just puts on her glasses and it that just really made me laugh just a little characteristic that she brought to it as an actress that Mm. made me chuckle so I thought to be both tragic but also funny at the same time. And you kind of felt like you'd want to hang out with Blanche in this version. I could see why she at some point maybe would have been a charismatic character that people would have wanted to be around, even though things have gone for the worse for her. I think she can't just be a snobby, up-herself character, otherwise you don't feel sorry for her. Whereas in this, I thought, no, I could see why she'd be a good time. Mm. So... Patsy Ferrin was incredible and she played opposite Anja Vassan, who was in Summer and Smoke. And so they had, considering Patsy only had a week to rehearse, they had that chemistry down really well. And I felt their relationship as sisters, again, so that made it all the more sad at the end because I really felt their friendship and I thought that Anja did a really good job. Again, lots of light and shade, really calm. Because often in these like plays, it can be a bit overwrought. You know, the squabbling between the sisters. Mm-hmm. It's all there is a lot of tension, but they both played it 
sort of not didn't play it down, subtly. but played it played it subtly. Not a lot of shouting, mm-hmm. a lot of like colour in their voices, interesting choices, interesting choices, interesting voices. <laughs> Um, I just thought they were brilliant. I really, both of them, sort of, I had remembered Patsy so well from Summer and Smoke that I was expecting to be wowed by her. But um, Anja had a smaller part in Summer and Smoke, so I wasn't as familiar, you know, I, mm. I hadn't remembered her as much and she really blew me away. I thought well, she was is, you're in such a, small such venue. a good stellar. Like, you're in such a small venue, you can do a, a subtle performance. Oh, totally. But also just having, she has a really nice voice, having a good control of your voice means you don't have to shout we were all just sort of on the edge of our seat listening and I thought their relationship was really good Paul Maskell I will say saying that they didn't sort of shout too much he tended to go a tiny bit shouty is the perhaps because he's a man well and obviously that's written into it Stanley is this wild visceral angry character I just felt in a few moments watching watching the women in I just thought he maybe could have done less shouting early on so that when he did get really when he does threaten them later on it would have felt more impactful but kind of when he's like yelling for her to get out of the bathroom he's yelling at the same pitch he is at the end when he's really yelling at her yeah it's all just well it's one yell Mm. and that it would have been better had he got done a bit more his subtler moments a bit at the end where he really threatens blanche before he basically assaults her he got down on all fours like an actual tiger and was crawling towards her, sort of quietly stalking her. And that was really impressive bit of physical theatre. Yeah, good direction. I just, yeah, so I wish that he had been pulled back like that um, in some other moments because he was really good. And he's he's big, he's tall, he's like an imposing presence, but I think he was kind of overshadowed. But that could be in the directing because I think I don't think he's painted as sympathetically as the women are. Mm. And... I don't necessarily think he should be. Because I was reading an interpretation that he feels really guilty when he has to expose Blanche and her lies <laughs> because of what it will do to her sister and his friend Mitch that's fallen in love with her. In this, I didn't get that he would have felt guilty. At all. No, he was kind of reveling in exposing her lies. So maybe that's a directorial choice from Rebecca Fracknell to make him less sympathetic. I don't but- think he's ever been sympathetic. No, any... well, this that reading, I was a bit like, oh, okay, I've never seen that, bet, and that was one I interpretation. Bet a man wrote that. that was Probably, like, he's just misunderstood. Yeah, he's, he's embarrassed. What he's embarrassed, he really cared about her, and that's, that's why true. he did it. Bullshit. And I can't imagine Tennessee Williams. You know, like you said, so his sister had Tennessee Williams' sister had mental health issues. Tennessee Williams was gay, and of course, in this, there's also the backstory of Blanche's first love, the young boy who was her husband, mm. who was gay and killed himself. And in this, they have him embodied as a memory by a dancer, so an actor who, but he, you could tell he was a dancer because he comes on and does a kind of dance motif that he repeats over and over that's reaching out to Blanche and then he sort of recoils in pain. And, you know, so that's a sort of representation of that painful memory for her. So again, seeing that made that a much more sympathetic storyline as well. So I think that's very much what Tennessee Williams put into it. that part of the story. It's such a great layered story. I love family history. I love family dramas. Yes, but it all comes out of Tennessee Williams' life in some way. So I think Rebecca Frecknell is really clever to, you know, think what, Tennessee, I think Tennessee Williams would have really liked this production because mm. it was very caring of the characters I think he would have cared about most. Mm. And yeah, I think Rebecca Frecknell is not only a really good character, you know, she focuses really hard on the characters and the performances. And although the stage was really bare, she creates really dramatic moments. So they had some really cool moments with water. 
So at one point, the big square, a full wall of water on four sides encompasses the stage that they're in. And that was really interesting. And I mean, you can read that as um, maybe it was Blanche's imaginary world enclosing her and whether that's a safety within that world or whether that's the kind of walls closing in. Because then after she's raped by Stanley... Don't, um, that's a spoiler. Well, is that... we can, No, we can spoil Streetcar at this point, I think, can't really? we? Yeah. Also, I think you should do a trigger warning if you're going to say that. Say the word, word. right. Well, another, that was another interesting point. So when he does attack, we don't actually see it. And I thought that was really interesting. It kind of froze on that moment and then cuts to afterwards, which makes it kind of even more painful and powerful. I think powerful. that happens in the film. I don't think you see it in the film. Okay, because I remember in the Gillian Anderson one, it, it goes on a bit. He was on top of her and he was oh. pulling all her skirts up. It wasn't a graphic, but it this one stopped before. And the fact that Stella, her sister, has to basically not believe her and has to side with Stanley mm. in order to survive, it makes it even more powerful that we, the audience, also have to kind of doubt her and that we never saw it either. So we, we're all like implicit in that horrible decision. Oh, that's very Which is quite clever. interesting. So right. We're all sort of gaslighting poor Blanche, maybe, because we didn't see it. If Rebecca Fretnell was listening to this, she'd be so happy that you've got that. That's well, obviously that a choice. Well, of course it was. And so when it that happens, makes total sense that she's done it that way. And then when that happens, she's in the centre of the stage and the water just drops right on top of her and she's just soaked to the bone. It was so sad. So those walls of water that were at one point maybe her her reality that she'd put up around her, they all just kind of come crashing down and soak her to the bone and then she's just there all wet and shivering. It was really, really sad. It was very, but so effective, so like wow. really dramatic. Um, and then the other thing I really enjoyed was that the drummer who was playing drums throughout, he then plays the doctor at the end who comes to take her away. So he's kind of been there this whole time working her nerves, basically, that the person that's there drumming away at her emotions and away at her sanity is then the one who comes down to take her away. And now I think about it, it's just such a sad story. It was was a very emotional reading of it. It wasn't, sometimes I feel like you can be a little bit detached from it and you can see Blanche just going a bit doolally. Whereas this, I feel like we were fully with her and it was really tragic because the whole thing is, you know, like, because Stanley does that whole thing about the um, Napoleonic code, about what belongs to the man, belongs to the woman. And that's what the play is really about. Women have to, can't survive without men. They need a man. That's why Stella has to stay with him because what else is she going to do? That's why Blanche in her hometown is what they all perceive to be a loose woman Mm. throwing herself at men because what other choice does she have but to throw herself at men? She needs someone to protect her because her property is not hers. Mm. So I think it's really, it's a very sad piece all round and this very much got that and was really sympathetic and I just think the performances were brilliant. The music was great, the drumming, those like moments of, they did some cool slow motion moments that really worked very effectively. Really, really sad you missed it. I'm really sad I missed it. It sounds really impactful and it's really hit home. All of the things that mm-hmm. should hit home about it, it sounds like they yes. have. Yeah. You know, his, the relationship you... between the sisters has worked. The portrayal of somebody's fragility and their mental, like that, like people's mental health. And mm-hmm. that's just, and also I just think, I just think it's so, when you read up about him and his sister that he's had, that's a lived experience that has now gone into this piece. Yeah. That's just heartbreaking. Yeah. It is really sad. It's you... so sad. Yeah, it's, it's such a good production. Um, it's a shame that obviously not more people get to see it because it's a short-run, small theatre. Do you think it will transfer? Or is this just um, because it's so star-studded it's not really going to happen? I don't think Paul Maskell would go with it to the West End. I think he's just going to be too busy doing his gladiator. So 
would they do a transfer with Pat? I mean, for me, I would see the transfer because for me, it's Patsy and Anjana that are the real draw. They're brilliant. So I would go and see it with a different... Paul Maskell was great. He wasn't bad in any way. I just think I would happily see someone else do interpretation. But though I want to see those two actors again doing Blanche and Stella. But I don't know if it will if it will transfer. It would do very well. If somebody does want to go and see this, like, is there any way you can get a ticket? The only way to get a ticket is the, well, there's online returns, but that really depends on you just, like, when one goes back on sale, grabbing it. Or the best way is you have to go in person. Um, The good thing is you don't have to stand in line there. You can go, um, so they say that tickets will most likely become available just before a show. So in the hours before a show when people can't make it, they put them back on sale. But you can go and you basically give them your name and then you're on the list. So then you can go and sit in the cafe or bar. Wow. Um, You don't have to actually stand there. And then they'll call you as you arrived, as it were, to be on the wait list. What time would you say getting Um, I couldn't find any information and I've not done it before myself. So I would just say... Whenever you like, if you if you work, go at five when you whatever time you finish work, maybe. And I don't, I have no, I couldn't tell you what time people are usually turning up. But they said before a show, so you could just go and have a drink there. Five thirty to seven thirty, yeah. just hang out and see if you get a ticket. I mean, the night we went, we put a ticket back on sale. Yeah, it you does happen, and also you couldn't come, so someone will have got that. Like the cast are given tickets to the show, and often they don't take them and they put them back on sale. Yeah, so it can be the sort of thing that. Um, you might get tickets too, and it is well worth seeing. It's so fantastic. And obviously, I think we all know now that a Rebecca Frecknell production is well worth seeing. Not that we've seen Cabaret yet, so we can't judge, but the whole town's hooting about it. And we loved Summer and Smoke. We also really enjoyed Three Sisters that she did. Um, we didn't love the text as much, but we liked what she did with it, I think. So I'll just see anything she does. So yeah, Streetcar is on at the Armada until the 4th of Feb. It is sold out, so you will have to try and do returns. But it, it was fantastic. Um, I've thought about it so much since. Right, so we're off tonight to see Sadler's Wells. Yes. We're going to do a live... It's called How Did We Get Here? It stars Spice Girl Melanie C in a dancing role, which I'm really excited for. It also stars Jules Cunningham, um, and they are also the choreographer of this piece. And then the third dancer is Harry Alexander. So it's three dancers. It's an hour long, no We don't really know much about this. We just thought it sounded cool. We're like, let's go. It's a nice thing to do on a Friday night, and exactly. we so, always enjoy things at Sadler's Wells. Yeah, um, and we're going to do a review once we come out, So, um, but you, lucky listeners, don't have to wait, because with the magic of podcasting, <laughs> we're going to throw to our review of Jules Cunningham's How Did We Get Here right and now. Woohoo! So we've just come out of How Did We Get Here, what did we think? Um, I thought that Mel C was very focused it's like she didn't even know there was an audience there she was in it wasn't she she didn't look awkward she there were only three dancers on the stage and she looked like she belonged there 100% but they were all very focused yeah they were re- it was really good um, but um, the piece as a whole I felt was a little bit lacklustre I was like I feel like I've just watched Mel C do some stretches really good stretches for an hour well yeah I'd say that it's, it, it is one piece I mean, there's different pieces of music, so you do get slight variations, and I thought the opening was the strongest, actually, to the Nina Simone track. I felt like that was a good opener, because that was very... The track was quite moving, and I felt like their sort of slow and focused movements to that worked really well, but then the, it didn't... The tempo... For an hour. 
No, and the tempo never changed. There was no energetic number. It was similar movements, focus, kind of balances. There was a lot of push and pull, balancing. Balances, you're right, balancing and you know, stretching. I think it's all about supporting each other. Very precise footwork. But it's like, I don't want to watch that for a full hour. Yes, I, and then at one stage... Um, two of the dancers left and they would the, the male dancer was left just alone on stage and I thought wow this guy he's like what 6'2 excellent physique let's see what this guy's gonna do nothing he didn't do anything he just walked around yes it was all the style was very similar and it didn't change up enough to sustain an hour which I think is a bit of a shame because great. I thought the opening was really good. Yeah, great opening. The Costuming lighting was, was really cool. Yeah. The costumes were great. They Just had not... a nice... Um, seeing something in the round with a shiny floor. Yes, that was The mirrored fun. floor was cool. I think we're used to usually seeing pieces like this as a triple bill maybe where you get three choreographers potentially or one choreographer doing three pieces where you feel like you've really... And you have intervals maybe in between. You feel like you're seeing three really different pieces. Whereas this, although like I said, there were kind of different tra- music tracks and different combinations of the three dancers on stage the choreography felt quite similar and it didn't sustain an hour I needed half an hour of that and half an hour of a, a quite radically different the approach the thing is though we spent £25 oh, so yeah. for £25 yeah it's fine but I've, we've had to yeah. drive an hour to get here like you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, it doesn't warrant leaving your house to come and see something like that. For an, it mean, needs to be part of another show. There yes. needs to be two other things to make yes, this an evening out. Yeah. But I do think for those wanting to see Mel C, it oh is God, really so good to see her. I thought she, um, her presence was great. So can I, did... I just say that I left towards the end because I had such a bad cough. Yeah. So I've been sitting out here with the ushers and I've got the gossip. And apparently there's a group of people that have bought tickets to every performance. Oh, I think I saw them. They were up on their feet. They were front row up on stage. So I think they're the hardcore fans. Yeah, and they come every night to watch her. Yeah. And they also said that um, they've all been given comps to watch the show, which I thought was really nice as the staff here. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I wanted that piece to be 40 minutes and then I want to see one more piece. It would work really good in a double bill with something else. Um, but yeah, I'm glad we saw it. Um, Me too. Yeah, it was interesting, but but I wanted to see it in a double bill. So this is only on until the 29th of January, and all tickets are £25. If you get here early, you can sit near the front or up on stage. Until 29th of January, Jules Cunningham and company, how do we get here at Sadler's Wells? So that's our review, and now we'll throw back to ourselves in the past, back at your house. <laughs> So that was our review of how did we get here at Sadler's Wells. And we thought about it, what we thought about it. And that's what we thought. (laughs) Those were our thoughts. But we don't know. Um, Yeah, so that was Jules Cunningham, how did we get here? (laughs) We also reviewed Streetcar Named Desire at the Almeida, which is sold out. And the next show we're going to see, which was your top tip on a previous episode, is The Share Show, which we're really looking forward to. So anyone in the London area, let's say, it's coming to the Wimbledon Wimbledon Theatre from the 30th until the 4th, so just a week, 30th of January till the 4th of Feb in Wimbledon, and then it does continue on a tour um, for a few more dates, a few more locations. So we're really excited to see that. We'll definitely do a review of that. Yeah, and I'm guessing as the tour comes to an end, decisions will be made about a London transfer. Um, but I'm really glad we're just getting this opportunity to see it because I don't want to risk missing. Oh, the share I've been show. following them on Instagram, and 
even if I don't enjoy the show, just the look of everything, the costumes, the, yeah. costumes, the wigs, like the music, the production looks really fun. I'm yeah. really excited about this. So that will be in our next episode. We'll definitely have a review of that. Plus, hopefully something else. Mm. We will find something. We were thinking about Cabaret. We keep on entering the lottery. We're going to continue to enter the lottery. Yes. I'm not overly keen on the new cast. The current cast, or the new cast, because they've announced a new upcoming oh, cast. Oh, tell me. So it's Amy Lou Wood from Sex Education will be starring as Sally Bowles. And I I saw her in Uncle Vanya and she was really good. And she's really funny in Sex Education. I can't I remember like her, her character's yeah, name. I like her. And then John McRae will be playing the MC, and he was the original Jamie in Everyone's Talking About Jamie, which I know you didn't see, but you probably saw the posters of him for ages around town. Yeah, so I think he'll be really good. So that's quite exciting casting. So maybe we'll... Let's keep entering the lottery anyway. Um, and then when they're in it, we can maybe... I don't know, do we spend the £100? The age old question. It's a lot well, of money. We don't usually spend a lot, that much on the £100 is a lot, and I'm also desperate to see Moulin Rouge again. I don't know. We'll mm-hmm. think about it nearer the time. But yes, we'll definitely have our share show review coming up in the next episode. But until then, thanks so much for listening to Theatre Club Podcast. Do follow us on Instagram at Theatre Club Podcast. Until next time, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.